Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I want to talk to you this evening about something the Apostle Paul writes about quite a lot and that Jesus spoke about. It's in the Old and in the New Testament. It's about overcoming what I'm going to call the temporary setbacks that the enemy tries to do in your life so you can continue to move forward. We should not be people who are always having to start over all the time. Praise the Lord. Now, I could, I could take kind of just the, the easy way out on this particular topic and say, well, just be a doer of the Word of God. And if you'll be a doer of the Word of God, you'll see that when, when attacks come in your life, that you will continue to do the Word of God in that particular attack, that you will come through it. And I could say, well, there it is right there, and that's all there is to it. Hallelujah. Just stand in Jesus' name and believe God and receive. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot more to life than just a pat answer. Give me two amens right here. Uh, There's a whole lot more to living and living the victorious life over the, uh, the things that try to set you back or hinder. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes about this in more than one place. Let me read a couple of them to you, and then I'll talk to you just a few minutes about it this evening. We'll see what the Spirit of, uh, of the Lord says, and then, praise the Lord, we'll go home victorious in Christ. Amen? In the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter, nine, uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, there's an interesting passage of Scripture that the Apostle Peter writes about. And listen how he says it. Let me get these readers out here just for a second. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, he begins in verse 8, "...whom having not seen you love..." in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Peter's writing about the fact, and he continues to write about it as he goes along, that there can be problems, there can be issues. Obviously, they were under tremendous persecution in that day. He said, but you stand fast in your faith, because even though you haven't seen the Lord like he had seen him, he had, he had obviously walk, uh, worked with them and walked with him for, for three and a half years. He said, but even though you haven't, you believe even though you have not seen him yet. That uh, as believers, that's what we do. We continue. Now listen, if you're under attack, one of the most necessary things in life when you're under attack is joy. Come on, everybody shout Joy. joy. There's a lot of words for joy. In the Bible, there's about seven different words for the word joy. That mean rejoice. Uh, it could be laugh. It, could, it means several things. Uh, one of them means to dance and to whirl. It means to dance and spin around. I just think that's pretty powerful. Uh, Jesus uh, sent his disciples out. His disciples went out, took dominion in the name of Jesus, over uh, demons and principalities and those things. And they came back and they were rejoicing 
because demons were subject to them. And Jesus said, well, you need to rejoice because your name is in the, in the book of life. And then uh, he taught them and he was thrilled and then they left and he was by himself. And the Bible says, and Jesus rejoiced in spirit. And the word for rejoice right there is the word that means to dance and spin about. I mean, Jesus just had a Holy Ghost fit when he realized that some men uh, that were his disciples had gotten a revelation that through his name, uh, the enemy was subject. And because of that, Jesus himself just, just had a dancing fit. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I believe if Jesus could just, just kick up some dust dancing, rejoicing because that had happened, I think we ought to at least be able to shout to the Lord. We ought to at least clap our hands. And my experience is it's not the problem that causes people sometimes to, uh, to hold back. It's because of a lack of revelation. It's not what we know, but it's what we don't know many times that can hinder and hold us back. Hallelujah. Well, thank God we have victory through Jesus. And so Paul said it like, like, like this. He said, but we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Look, if you're going through a battle, don't go out and try to sedate yourself so you can get out from under the pressure of the problem. No, whatever you do, make sure that it's full of the glory of God. And just take you a couple of gospels. Are you listening to me? And get you a glass of the water of the word and kind of put that down and then begin to do what the word of God says and just fill yourself with joy. You say, well, it's not that easy, but you have to make it that easy. Where you begin to joy in the God of your salvation. Remember Paul and Silas. I love that. And I'll always use that because God gave it to us. Paul and Silas were in prison and the midnight hour, and they begin to sing praises. They begin to rejoice. And there are many things that these men did in their lifetime that we don't have recorded. But you can be sure the things that God recorded that they did were because they were doing what you and I should be doing today also. We should magnify the Lord when we get in those times. And the Bible says it's with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. My expression is this. The joy of the Lord cannot find its only expression in just a song. Thank God for good songs and good music. But there's a lot. That's because there's so much more to you than just the ability to sing. Your hands ought to have a lot to do with joy. Joy unspeakable. Your whole posture ought to have a joy to it. Your face ought to have a joy to it. Uh, your, your, your voice ought to have a joy to it. Your feet ought to have a joy to them. I'm preaching a lot better than your amen on a Wednesday night. It's very necessary because it's not just joy in a song. It's joy that's unspeakable. One translation says it's joy that has an expression other than just your voice. Come on, stand on your feet with me for 15 seconds right here. Stand on your feet with me. Go to two people, don't say a word, but just let joy come out of you when you go to them. Yeah, like give them a high five, give them a hug, give them a smile. Come on, just do something that's got a little joy in it. Hallelujah. 
No kissing. No, no kissing, no. No, just joy. Just joy. Yeah, just joy. Husbands and wives ought to turn a little joy loose on a, a one another. Sure, some things are unspeakable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I think we ought to turn joy. Listen, the one thing you can be sure that's totally absent in hell tonight is joy. I believe the one thing that the devil fears more than, than the name of Jesus is the joy of the Lord in a believer who's under attack. That's right. That's right. David wrote many of the Psalms when he was going through an attack. Joy that is uh, inexplainable, one, tra- one translation says, it's released by expression some way through a dance, running, laughing, shouting, clapping your hands, thinking the things of God in a way that's not just verbal, but it's something that's far uh, beyond that. If we'd have joy in our families, listen, you have joy in your families when you're in the house. It's amazing how your kids will grow up with joy. You let husbands and wives have joy among themselves and make a decision that they're not going to be under the, you know, in that control game and who's going to be the head of the house and all of that kind of stuff. Look, you can forget that. She's going to be the head of the house, whether you like it or not. And, uh, you know she is, and she'll just let you think you are, guys. I'm just telling you, that's the way it really is. So go ahead, take your medicine, and smile, and rejoice. Hallelujah. Give me another hallelujah. Men are the head of the house, because she lets you be. I understand that. But you'll notice what the scripture says right here. Verse 13. Look at it. So Peter keeps teaching in this, and I could read the whole thing, but time won't let us tonight. But watch what he says. He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be solid-minded. Be sober. Solid-minded. Be stable, in other words. And hope or expect... To the very end, one translation says, completely, perfectly, totally. Have a total expectation to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust. And he goes on, he begins to teach this. Now listen, he's saying that we need to have an expectation that the grace of God will be released in situations because we have a revelation of Jesus Christ all the way through the battle, all the way through. Not just at the end when you survived. Not just when things went the way you wanted it to. But when things weren't going the way you wanted to. You should have a complete and total expectation that the manifestation of the grace, the answer, the gift, the power, the anointing, that's what grace is, all of those things, the delivering ability, the salvation, that all of that will happen at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We don't start out as Christians and then we have these hindrances come up in our life and we bail out on Jesus. Then we start acting like the world, 
And then uh, finally, when we survive some way, we want to give God the glory at the end. Now, how about just perfectly all the way through or just completely all the way have that expectation of the manifestation of the grace of God. The grace of God is a very inclusive word. It's a very huge word. And it just means all of the qualities and benefits that God made available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that He made of and His willingness to give that to us, that's called grace. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. And so we get a hold of that. We don't bail out on that. We stay with that even when we're going through uh, the trial. So the scripture says, this is how you gird up the loins of your mind. Everybody say, gird up the loins of your mind. Can we say it again? Gird up the loins of your mind. One more time. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now listen to this word. It's one of these long Greek words that you're going to hear at one time and you're not going to want to mess with it after that. A-N-A-D-Z-O-N-N-U-M-I. Anazonuma. Everyone say, I will never forget. Anazonuma. Say it three times in a row. Anazuma. 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 Almost sounds like you're filled with the Holy Ghost when you say it, if you say it enough. I don't know. The word gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins. Those are four words, but it's one word in the Greek. And the word just literally means uh, to... To take a, a, a robe, uh, if a runner was out running, uh, they were, it's kind of an athletic term. If he's out running and he's got on some kind of a garment and he's got a, a, a belt on, you know, he's got some kind of a rope that he's got that tied around. He doesn't want to trip over the, that robe some way if he's out running or if he's walking or if someone's just out uh, going through a, a field or something. So they would pick up the, the, the tail of that, and they would stuff it inside of that belt and they would hold it tight so they wouldn't trip and they wouldn't fall, they wouldn't stumble, they wouldn't tear the robe or whatever the case may be. But that's what the word anazuma means. It means to tuck in those long tails or the long part of that robe so you don't trip and fall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says uh, to gird up the loins of your mind. Anazuma, your mind. There are a lot of things that can cause you to trip and fall. Doubts, fears, bad reports, true situations that are coming, and they'll get in your head, they'll get in your mind. And what does God say do? He says, tuck those things in to the expectation of the manifestation of the grace of God as you pursue completely the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is your healer. He's your deliverer. He's the one who supplies every need. And instead of letting all of the hanging chad go out there and really cause you to, to trip and fall, y'all know what I'm saying? No, exactly the opposite. You are to tuck that under the, the grace belt, the belt of truth. Put, put that there so you can begin to walk without being distracted, without having the hindrances, without having the setbacks. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. It's very important. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. He said, and you'll know it here. He defines it. He says, be sober. Be solid thinking. Uh, be in control. You ever been around anybody who is not sober? 
You ever notice that? You ever get around somebody not, not sober? Takes them out of their natural state. The biggest guy in the bar, you know, he's hammering them down. The next thing you know, he's telling his whole ugly life history and crying in the beer. And then the little old bitty guy comes in there and he starts busting them down and he's no longer sober and he wants to fight the biggest guy in there. It totally changes them. They become a different person. The Bible says, spiritually speaking, it's what he's talking about. Stay solid, stay in control, stay sober minded. He's not talking about alcohol necessarily right here or anything like that. He's talking about you making a decision that you're going to keep your focus. And you're going to have an expectation of the manifestation or the revelation of the grace of God all the way through, all the way, perfectly all the way through the situation uh, that reveals Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right here, church. Peter knew what he was talking about. It's amazing that we would live in the day we live in right now. Go to 1 Thessalonians with me if you would. The Apostle Paul writes about it, 1 Thessalonians, because situations come up and they try to distract. They try to get you off of your focus. They try to get you off of the track uh, that, that the blessing of God, that God has you uh, flowing in. 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica without me going into all of the detail about the church. Look what he says. I love it, in, and he loved this particular church. Paul loved Thessalonica. In verse 17, it says, But we, brethren, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time, this was probably uh, Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas, speaking of the we, and it's very possible that it was Paul and Luke, because Luke also traveled with him. Barnabas did. Uh, Silas did and Luke did. We know, plus there are some others, but uh, Paul would love to have been with them all the time, but he couldn't be there all the time. And some of these churches were under extreme persecution. And so Paul says, but we brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. He said, our heart's with you all the time. If we can't be there physically, we're with you, but don't worry, I'm coming. He said, for a short time, We've endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Time out. I love the way he says this. It's not a justification that you're in the house of God on Wednesday night. You're here on Sunday and, and you're faithful to the house of God. And I applaud you for being faithful to pursue yourself. But there are some people that say, well, in the Bible, it says, you know, that you don't have to go to church. And, and, and even Paul didn't go. Sometimes he told him, but he said, but because I could not be there. Not I was not, but I could not. He said, it made me even more focused to make sure that I get there. Listen, not being faithful in the house of God is not an option. And in the times when we are not able to be there, it ought to cry out on the inside of you that I want to be more faithful, not less faithful. And that's what Paul says. I, I mean, it's in exact words right there. He said, we were more abundantly endeavoring to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you. Now watch how he says it. Even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Paul, he says, look, I'm just telling you that I would have been there. Even me, even the number one leading apostle on the planet. Paul, even I wanted to be there, he said, but Satan hindered me. 
He said, and it happened more than once, once and again. He said, uh, and, and when you read about Paul in all 13 of his books, you realize that he was constantly being battled by this spirit that the Bible called it a messenger that was sent to buffet him. How many of you have read that in 2 Corinthians? It was there to buffet him over and over, but he said, God delivered me. He called him a thorn in his flesh, uh, which is an interesting statement to say the least. But the word is the word A-N-G-E-L-O-S, angelos, angel. We get the word angel and also the word for a spiritual being. He said, there was a spiritual being that was attacked, that attacked me and that hell had assigned to me to try to keep me from writing and delivering this word because of the abundance of my revelation. Uh, he, he said this demon thought that if he did not stop me, that the, the revelation of this would become so abundant that I would be out of control where he would not be able to hinder it at all. So a messenger was sent against me. Time out. Paul was not saying that he had an eye disease and that he couldn't see good and that God had given him some sickness. So he was not able uh, to do something. So he didn't get exalted above measure. Can I get two amens? I know there's people that have taught that under some Calvinistic uh, mindset that is contrary to the scripture. But everything that happens to you does not happen because of God. He said, a messenger from hell was sent to buffet me. And the word messenger there literally is the word for angel or spirit or spiritual being. He said, it came from Satan. It was buffeting me, which means to strike over and over once and again, over and over. He said, everywhere I went. And he writes uh, uh, several chapters where he names all of those kind of things over and over. If you want to know why he's doing it, because he was qualifying himself, first of all, how God had delivered him and brought him through all of that. And then he says, but Satan was trying to stop me the whole time, but God brought me through it. Hallelujah. He said his grace was sufficient. He didn't say that God just told me, no, I'm not going to hear your prayer. I don't like you this week. So just suck it up and bear it. No, he didn't say that at all. It's not even implied there. It takes a religious uh, torque of some kind to twist the scripture away from what's actually there to say that God said, no, I'm not going to answer your prayer. Like this week, I'm just not going to answer it, Paul. And so my grace is sufficient for you and you'll survive it. And that's all there is to it. No, he goes on and begins to talk about how God empowered him and he finished his course. Can I get two amens right there? So... Uh, the first thing I'm going to tell you uh, very plainly that don't charge God with the devil's action. Don't uh, accuse God falsely. The Bible says of Job that Job did not uh, accuse God unwisely. And because of that, God delivered him and gave him twice as much. Somebody shout hallelujah there. That's very important to get that in, uh, in your inner man. Don't accuse God of the things of the devil. And Paul is just making these things about as plain as it could possibly be. Look at verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. He said, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? What is our joy? Our crown of rejoicing? Are not even you? 
in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, you are our glory and our joy. Paul said, listen, my glory, my joy, my reward in another place in Philippians, he says, my reward uh, that I'm going to receive one day in heaven uh, when I'm in the presence of the Lord Jesus or at his coming will be if you're there also, you succeed. He said, if you succeed, then I'm going to be blessed. Oh, hallelujah. That's how I feel as a pastor. Uh, if, if men and women in this house and those that I have the honor of ministering and teaching the word to, if you run strong in faith and you make a decision that you're embracing the kingdom of God in your life, you're standing on the word of God, you're putting your hand to the plow, and you're fulfilling the God-given purpose for why you were born, why you were born into his kingdom. If you do that, the Bible says, not only do you get rewards in heaven, but hang in there, so do I. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Now watch what he says right here. He said, I would have come, but Satan hindered us. The word hinder is the word E-G-K-O-P-T-O, egkopto. Come on, say it with me. I'll never forget. Egkopto. And the word egkopto is a very interesting word. It also is a word, but it, it, it has two applications that you'll find when you study it out. One of them means to cause a road to be impassable, to cause there to be some type of uh, debris or diversion in a road and make it in such a way that you cannot travel that road. Maybe a big, uh, maybe a big tree is across it or uh, maybe a, a rock slide or maybe it's been dug out a big hole and you can't, get, you can't go all the way on that. You're trying, but you can't. And that's the word egkopto right there. And in our life, as we uh, serve the Lord, and we go about our daily life, the scripture says that Satan will try to hinder you. He will try to block the road sometimes. He will try to make that path of serving God impassable. Not impossible, but impassable. Is everybody getting a hold of this? Paul said that even happened to me, even me, Paul. When I'm trying to do the perfect will of God, he said, I'm even being hindered uh, and I'm trying to do exactly what God says. Listen, the idea that you're having a problem so it must not be the will of God might be exactly the opposite. It might be that as you're doing the will of God, the devil's just trying to stop you from doing it. But he said he can't do it. Just keep on pressing. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. He said, but Satan would hinder. And it's an interesting word. Uh, uh, Paul writes a lot in Thess uh, Thessalonians also in athletic terms. He writes military terms that are well seen. And an egkopto was a foul. If uh, let's say somebody's running a, a mile and they're running, you know, those four laps would make it where we understand it. They're out there and there's a race going on, something like the Olympics or a race and they're running around and uh, you got a pack of guys and they're all running and everybody's trying to win. And one of them either trips the other guy or elbows him out of the way or hits him and fouls him some way. The Greek word there is the word ekopto. And uh, Paul uses that word, which he calls hinders. Can I get a hallelujah? 
He said, Satan tried to elbow me out of the way. He tried to trip me up. He tried to make it where it was impassable uh, as I'm trying to get here some way. And I don't even know if he was talking about the road, uh, the terra firma right there, you know, the actual uh, ground itself. But he's talking about in his life. He said, once and again, I'm trying to get there and attacks come. Things try to stop me. But he said, I'm coming anyway. It doesn't make any difference. It just made me more determined to want to be there than ever before. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. That's when you know the Spirit of God's on the inside of you and the Word of God is in you. Because that grace expectation, the word grace is an interesting word. It's the Greek word, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. And it's the word for gift. It's the word for grace. It's a beautiful word. It's the charis of God. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, you see it when it talks about the, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. The word right there is the word charisma. It, it's the tense, it's the manifestation of the grace of God. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of working of miracles, gift of prophecy, gift of discerning of spirit, gifts of healing. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Uh, those are gifts, gifts of laying on a hand, fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, seven motivational gifts in Romans. Uh, those are very powerful charisma gifts of God that God gives. I believe every person has one or more of those gifts of God. And there's three categories of gifts that are, are talked about. The nine gifts of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry gift, and the seven motivational gifts that you see in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul writes about all of those. And I believe every person has one or more of the charisma of God. Charisma doesn't just mean that you've got a bright personality. It literally means a grace gift. Oh, hallelujah. And so Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, charis, uh, charisma, concerning uh, the charisma, the manifestation of the grace of God in power and in, in personality, in anointing, in revelation, uh, in application, the charisma of God. Uh, that's why I'm excited about these ministries that come in. I bring in gifted ministries. I do not bring in professional orators. I'm just not interested in that. Uh, I mean, I've got the degrees too to go with that. We can talk about all the psychology you want and there's maybe a little place for that in the body of Christ. But I found out that demons don't flee at my mindset out here that I learned in a college somewhere. But uh, they do flee, and I'm not minimizing the necessity of, uh, of having an education. I'm just maximizing the power of God and the purpose of God because it's the grace of God, which is the, uh, and the charisma is the manifestation of those powers of God in your life and those giftings and those callings and those purposes of God in your life. That's why the world calls us charismatics. I mean, we have the gift of God when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have the charisma of God. The speaking with other tongues is a manifestation of a gift or the grace of God's power in your life. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. It is a manifestation of the charis. It is a charisma of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, so the world calls us charismatics and they don't even know why they use those terms. But they're in the Bible actually. Isn't that interesting? They're just in the Greek. They're, they're not in the English uh, King James. They're in the original language in the Greek. You know, when you study it, you see it. 
So it's necessary for us to understand that. So anyway, Paul says, uh, the devil tried to elbow me out of the way. He tried to stop it up. So what do you do? What do you do when the enemy's trying to cause you to be hindered? Well, I like to read about Paul over in Acts 27 and Acts 28. One time he said, I'm going to Rome and I am going to preach the gospel. God has called me for that. Hell's tried to stop me for uh, like five or six years, but I'm going to get there before it's over with. Paul was real emphatic about it. And uh, one time in Acts 27, a giant storm calls, called an Arachlodon comes up. It was a storm that would happen basically every year. And so it was a type of a storm that came. Come on up here and help me, guys. And so uh, that particular storm would come, and it wrecked their boat. But the Lord appeared to him. There was 276 people on that boat, the Bible says. In chapter 27, there was 276 men and people on that boat. And because of the, the caress of God and the purpose of God that was in one of those men, his name was Paul. Because of that, 275 other men survived. When they should have drowned and been dead, when that thing uh, just stuck there. and all. But Paul said, look, it's going to get a little bit rough. I'm telling you, the angel of the Lord has already spoke to me, but it's going to be fine. He said, if you'll just do what I say, because I believe that what I'm saying is going to come to pass. And the Bible says they start bailing out of the boat. They're throwing everything out. Before long, they throw the anchors out. It had four anchors, the scripture says. They try to anchor it there, and then it runs into a reef. And when it runs into a shallow reef, uh, there all of the wind and the water hit it, and it broke the boat in half. How many of you have read that in the Bible? So what did he do when he's being delayed from that mission that he thought was one of his life's purposes was to preach the gospel in Rome. He thought that's what one of the main things that he was supposed to do with his life. But what? look at the hindrances that are going on. And there are many of them that were taking place. But Paul didn't blame God for it. He just said, regardless, I'm going to keep going anyway. The Bible says he, he, he gets out into the uh, ocean there and he gets a hold of some wreckage that had not sunken just some of the debris out of that boat and he just holds on and I, I call it just float around. Sometimes when, when you feel like you're going through those hindrances and those attacks, you just got to be willing to let your faith float you along. Come on, give me two amens right here. I mean, you just, just, just keep on. Like I hadn't had a word recently from God, but I believe every word that's from God. So I'm just going to keep on floating on in Jesus name. I'm sure he's kind of kicking a little bit. Sometimes you, you, you're floating and kicking, huh? Come on, everybody stick one leg out and just start kicking a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm sure this guy was tired. He's got to be wet. Feels like a little drowned rat out in the middle of the ocean. And before long, he comes up on, a, uh, up on an island. And when he gets there at, at, uh, at Melita, at Malta, he gets on that island. And oh my goodness. Then he, he starts uh, picking up sticks. And he's going to build a fire. I can just tell you right now that when you're obeying God, I mean, he's still a prisoner, technically. Because all of his captors survived. Because they did what he said. 
But so what does he do? So he builds a fire. I think I could preach a message. I'm trying not to just take off for the next hour right there. But faith ought to put a fire on the inside of you. I don't care how wet the wood is. You understand what I'm saying? It ought to put a fire on the inside of you. And then he's out. Uh, faith does faith works. When it feels like you're being kept from that purpose, you just keep working in faith. Uh, and then the Bible says a serpent came out of that wood. And, and when that fire hit that, uh, that bundle of sticks and wood, there was a, a little snake in it. And that thing hit him on the hand and sunk its fangs into him. And the Bible says, instead of dying, he shook it off in the fire. Come on. How about raising a hand up and just have a little shaking? We need a whole lot of shaking going on. Faith just keeps shaking it off in the fire. And, and, and until, instead of dying, he lived. And they said, oh my goodness, he's been hit by that horrible serpent. And those serpents kill you. They're like the, the two-step mambas, they call them. You, you know, those, there, there's a certain kind of snake called a mamba. And, that, and they call them two-step mambas over in Africa. And if that thing hits you, you got about two steps before that nervous system begins to all lock up. And you just basically fall over dead. Shuts down your lungs is what it does. You can't breathe. And then uh, hits that nervous system. The lungs and the heart stop finally. And that's it. And just because of that one hit that that thing does. But instead of him dying, he shook it off. Hell will try to hinder you a lot of ways. But we just keep shaking it off. Come on, by faith. We just make that decision. We're not going to lose in Jesus' name. And you keep going forward. Come on, stand on your feet with me in here this evening. Glory to God. And we just keep on going. Keep on going. And there'll be many times when it feels like everything's just going perfect. Like it just couldn't be better. And you just bless the Lord. But there'll be times, Paul said, even I, Paul, once and again, Satan tried to trip me up, elbow me out of the way, make it impassable. Drown me. Tried to uh, uh, hit me with a serpent. He said, but it didn't make any difference. I just kept shaking. I kept shouting. I kept rejoicing. I kept pressing toward the mark. He said, I knew I had inside of me a revelation that the grace of God, as I pursue the revelation of Jesus Christ, would overcome all of those things if I would do that fully. You know, in the margin of your Bible, it'll say that actually. He said that I expected to see to the very end the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in, the, in the Greek, it says the full total revelation of who he is and who I am in him. He said, I'm pressing all of my life to find out who he is and who I am in him that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. He said, I want that. I'm going all the way. Now look, it could be something as simple as the light bill. It, it, it could be a, a, a bad physical report that you, that you get at the hospital because of a, a lump somewhere. It could be a bad report. It could be the job. Or it could just be the emotional strain that comes in life. 
Listen, just shake it off. And let faith arise. And just see yourself all the way down the road having succeeded and God having all of the glory for it. And it bringing that to light the grace, the ministry power of Jesus Christ. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.